0: Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. During the past 19 months, every time a COVID decision has been required, do we stay open? Do we stay closed? Do we mask? Do we sing? Do we just take the whole thing outdoors? Facing all of these unprecedented decisions, I've been so jealous of colleagues in denominations that have bishops just telling them what to do. Priest envy, we call it. (laughs) But the deal is, when the dust settled after the Protestant Reformation, Presbyterians landed way, way far away from the priestly tree. So how do we engage this idea of Jesus as our great high priest. Why would we need a priest? And how would Jesus be that priest? It may help to unpack the concept of high priest that this biblical author was working from. So two stories. As is the case with some of you, my vocational path has not been a straight line. There were decades before I heard the call to ministry, decades when I was doing other interesting things with the gifts that God has given me. And in the years immediately before stepping onto the pastor path, I wrote museum exhibits. The last major project I did in that line of work was, fittingly enough, at the monastery, the Catholic Monastery of the Holy Spirit out in Conyers, I was asked during my first year of seminary to create a museum for them. So for that job, I, a Protestant female, was asked to spend as much time as I possibly could with the monks, interviewing them, but also just sort of tagging along in their daily rhythms. So we went to the gardens, we went to the kitchens, we went to the stained glass workshop. And we went to worship services. I went to the worship services that go by the name of Compline and Vespers and Vigils, which really and truly takes place every day at 4 a.m. But I didn't go to Mass. I kept holding back because I knew that the Presbyterian understanding of communion was very different than the Catholic understanding, and I felt awkward about that but eventually the awkwardness was greater for not going than for going, and so I went to Mass. Non-Catholics are instructed to come forward with their hands crossed to receive a blessing instead of partaking of the cup and bread. And so I crossed my hands and went forward clueless I guess I thought that they were going to give me a smile or a pat on the shoulder or maybe make the mark of the cross on my forehead. No, the father spread his hand as wide as he could, clasped the top of my head with terrific force and began to speak quietly but urgently to God on my behalf. And then to speak quietly but urgently to me on God's behalf. And then the priest released my head, and I somehow found my way back to my wooden pew with words of forgiveness and love and incitement throbbing in my ears. That experience is as close as I can get to the ancient Jewish idea of high priest, the concept that this passage describes as, as being Jesus's character. In Jewish ritual laid out, especially in the book of Leviticus, the priest approached God on behalf of the chosen people, bringing forward the people's offerings, offerings of grain or oil or incense, an unblemished lamb or a pair of doves, whatever represented repentance of sin or request for mercy, or prayers of deep thanksgiving. On behalf of the people, the priest carried these offerings to the altar, which is to say, into the presence of God. And then returning to the people, the priest reminded them of God's ongoing activity in the world. With that in mind, here now my second modern image for this role also courtesy of the Roman Catholic Church. Archbishop Oscar Romero, the El Salvadorian human rights activist, who is now a saint, was killed by a sniper's bullet in 1980 while standing at the altar to serve communion. The day before his assassination, Archbishop Romero prayed for the poor, as he always did, and then, he boldly addressed the military saying, in the name of this suffering people, I beg you, I beseech you, I order you in the name of God, stop the repression. A high priest goes to God on the people's behalf. That's Romero praying for the poor. And a high priest also goes to the people on God's behalf. Romero, at the cost of his life, calling oppressors to change their sinful ways. The epistle to the Hebrews asserts that that is what Jesus does. Jesus, who set his face toward Jerusalem, toward the cross that killed him, toward the tomb that could not hold him. Jesus, the writer notes, has passed through the heavens and now carries into the presence of God, not sacrificial animals or incense, but the realities of human life. And Jesus does this as one who understands what it is to be human, because Jesus was human. So it is with real compassion that Jesus carries into God's throne room all of our brokenness and neediness, our joys and tears, the hopes and fears of all our years. Furthermore, like any earthly priest connecting people to God and God to people, Jesus not only presents humanity to God, but also reveals to us God's character. On behalf of God, that almighty mystery, whom scripture tells us again and again will judge us. On behalf of God, Jesus shows us God's righteous yet gracious face. So, when we, like Job in the text that Claude read, when we are needing God, seeking God, and yet, like God, aware that we have cause to fear God's judgment. We are to trust that gracious face, that God with us face, which is not to say that its graciousness lets us off the hook. No. In fact, God's grace seeks to transform us. As the book of Hebrews says, the Word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, and by it we are laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Only the grace of our great high priest redeems us, even as it inspires us to live worthily in the holy light of God. Now, in case it needs to be said, let me say, that none of this is to suggest that Jesus and God are separate, nor is it to say that God used to be mean, but then Jesus came along. Please, church, let's never, ever read the Bible that way. The thing is that when we're talking about God, we are stretching beyond the limits of language. We can never fully understand or express God, and so the Bible keeps nudging us to consider God from yet another angle. And the letter to the Hebrews offers this unique vision of Jesus as high priest, the only one worthy of connecting humanity with divinity. It is because Jesus is our high priest that our text urges us to hold fast to our confession. And the term used here does not mean primarily confession of sin, though that is certainly part of what we must consider. Still this term has more to do with our confession or profession of faith, our confession of belief. We are to hold fast to what we believe about Jesus, and in its opening verses, The book of Hebrews declares that Jesus sustains all things. I bet I'm not the only one here who's feeling the need to believe that. Right now, I need to believe that Jesus is sustaining all things, our planet for one thing, our nation for another thing, the oppressed struggling for justice, the persecuted pleading for mercy, the forsaken yearning for love, the besieged striving for peace, the hungry seeking for food, the sick longing for health, the privileged needing redemption. I need to hold fast to a confession of faith that God is, in ways I often cannot perceive, much less express, God is sustaining us all. And somehow, I do believe that, church. But it can feel awfully touch and go. So I am grateful for the text's invitation to draw near the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. These days can feel like times of need. And with Jesus as our great high priest, We are confident of our connection with God. We can draw near to God, immersed in the grace that doesn't let us off the hook, but transforms us, works within us, empowers each of us to live a life that is a faithful offering to God. I think that's why we need Jesus as our great high priest. Perhaps we, like Job, have been searching for but not finding God. Hold fast to the faith that prompts that search and draw near. Perhaps we have felt the penetrating sword-like justice and judgment of God. Hold fast to the promise of mercy and draw near. Church, since our great high priest Christ Jesus sympathizes With our weaknesses. Hold fast to your confession of sin, your awareness of the wrongs you have done and the rights you have left undone, and make an offering of repentance as you draw near to God. And since our great high priest, Christ Jesus, shows us the righteous yet gracious face of God, hold fast to your confession of faith, your belief in who God is and who God calls us to be. Offer that when you draw near to God. Whatever our circumstances, we can be assured that Christ Jesus came to us on God's behalf and goes to God on our behalf, connecting us with the grace that redeems us and transforms us and empowers us to live faithfully in the sight of God. And thus, even we supposedly priestless Presbyterians have the priest we need. Thanks be to God. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.